This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Six drivers, three spots. It's as simple as that. Oh, Kaiser, has he knocked Alonso out? He has! Oh! I don't think I can wrap my mind around what we just did. Simon Pagano wins pole for the Indy 500. Whew. I'm on cloud nine. Well, all-star night is off to a great start. Crossover! Wow! Bubba! He's in the all-star race. I didn't give a damn out there. A million dollars on the line, under the lights on a Saturday night. It does not get any better than this. Off turn number four, Kyle Larson. We'll see the checkered flag. And Kyle Larson is an all-star in Charlotte tonight. Oh, yeah, good job. And we have got a fight that has broken out on pit road. I checked up and he ran to my left rear. And that's the last I saw of him. I pull up next to him and he dumps me in the floor. Where I come from, you get poked in the nose for that. Doesn't take much of a man to try to fight somebody with a helmet on. Uh, I think he should be embarrassed of himself. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> After all that, the welcome to NASCAR America, Steve Letard, alongside the mayor, Jeff Burton, the Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. Guys, I know Memorial Day weekend is known for the big racing, but this past weekend did not disappoint, whether it was the dramatic qualifying session up in the Indy 500. We're going to talk about that later or the all-star race right here in Charlotte. A great weekend. It was a great weekend. I, I think from start to finish, I think it was the best all-star weekend that I can ever remember. Uh, the open races were incredible. All three of those were great. <laughs> the, the, the amount of passing that we saw, the amount of battles for the lead, I just thought it was the best all-star race I ever remember. Yeah, I think it was probably t uh, total package-wise, everything that, that was going on, seeing some drivers that we expected to be there battling, others that we weren't sure if they would be there, what would happen uh, with all of this. So it made for a great night of entertainment. I personally happened to be in Indianapolis for the qualifying uh, and, and practice on Friday and then qualifying on Saturday. Uh, didn't get to see yesterday. But, I mean, as you said, this next weekend is supposed to be a oh. big weekend, but it's got a lot to live up to after what yeah. we uh, witnessed throughout uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, there was something about Saturday night in Charlotte that just seemed super entertaining and simple. We were joking earlier. You didn't need an abacus. You didn't need a calculator. It wasn't average finishes. It wasn't points. It was real simple, right? We're going to run a distance, throw a checker, run a distance, throw a checker. And guess what? After four of those, someone's going to win a million dollars. I think the simplicity uh, it allowed me as a fan to have more fun watching it. And there's something about the drivers with the package. Look, I'm not going to argue good, bad, passing this, that. But everybody looked like they were in it the whole time. You know, I saw guys who didn't hit the strategy right, restart four or five rows back. And next thing you know, here they were three wide, beating and banging up through the pack. And I think that's what I liked. And it really started with the Open. I thought the Open really set the tone for the whole night with the great finishes we saw in that. Yeah, what I liked about the strategies, the strategies were the same that we see every single weekend. You didn't have to step back and say, no, why, why are they doing that? You know, right. it was trying to get track position. You might have had a little bit older tires. The same thing we said. We didn't have to try to figure it out. I love the format. I love the simplicity. But what's made all of it work, okay, and the reason we've had so many crazy 
formats is because the racing hasn't been entertaining. Yeah. If yeah. you get racing like that, it's simple to do a format. And that's what all the changes have been about is trying to make the racing better. Uh, if you think about last year's race, and more importantly, if you think about the race at Kansas, you know, oh, a few yeah. weeks ago, if you think about the race we saw Saturday night, the aero package with the right track situation, with the right amount of grip, with the right tire, creates really, really good racing. And with that, you don't have to worry about taking the race to a different racetrack, which yeah, I've been advocating for, right? Uh -huh. You don't have to do that when you're going to see this kind of race. You don't have to have crazy formats. It just plain and simple was good racing. Well, yeah. and simply, when I think of all-star weekend in any sport, it should be about the all-stars, yeah. which are the guys behind the wheel when it comes to NASCAR and on pit road, the entire team. Yeah. And that's what I thought we got. I thought we had a platform in which the picker had to be good. You, you could lose it in the pits. I'm not sure you could win it in the pits, right? You had to be yeah. solid there. But then behind the wheel, it was up to you. Make it happen. And it was fun to what like, like elbows up on the restart. Yeah. I like that. I like that the all-stars were the ones we celebrated. Yeah, the, the drivers, the ones that we think of as the perennial all-stars. Right. They bought in and, and gave this a, a good run. Knew that they had to go a little bit harder, though, because there were some others in the mix that this opened up an opportunity window for them to be a part of this race. Uh, from the open, uh, working away and finding a way, uh, the battling that we saw, I mean, the, two, the finishes in the first two segments of that, <laughs> oh. just unbelievable. And, and the things that the drivers were willing to do at high rates of speed, I realize, yes, they're slowed down, but it's still at a high rate of speed. Yeah, that's not slow for me. I mean, maybe for you two, <laughs> it might be slower, but not for me. So you mentioned the open. Well, I think it's worth talking about. The big winner is Saturday night, Kyle Larson. We heard from him. Remember, guys, he didn't start the night in the All-Star Race. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm obviously really excited. Anybody would be excited. But to uh, come as close as we did, and I think 2017 or 16, whatever it was, and lose to Joey uh, with a couple laps to go, it feels good to get some redemption here. Um, it was a crazy race. I don't even really – it was so up and down, and we had to, you know, fight through a lot of issues just in a short race like that. So – um, I can't believe it. You know, we just—I don't even know what happened for me to get to the front. Um, so I have to watch a replay. But uh, either way, it feels amazing. You don't have to know how it happened. You got there. But yeah. I think we should remind everybody. The reason I said that is at the start of the night, Kyle Larson was in. He called it the B main, the open. He he wasn't in the All Star race. He didn't take part in qualifying. One of very few that have transferred out and found a way to victory lane. It's been done before, but that is an impressive run. And then he mentions it, the move. I had to watch it a few times because I wasn't <laughs> sure. He popped into the lead. I'm like, okay, where did he even restart? It was a great move up the middle with some help from Kevin Harvick. Yeah, he got a great push, which was, you know, we talk about getting a push that really helped. But here, going three wide, right through the middle. I mean, that's an that's unbelievable. Not no, exactly. <laughs> I said, when we talk about getting a push and it really making a big difference has always been at Daytona and Talladega. But he got that from Kevin Harvick. I mean, I think he restarted in the third row or fourth row and, and made all of this happen uh, just to get himself there. And it was just, I can imagine, I appreciated his words there that he's going to have to go back because I couldn't imagine being in the seat and comprehend everything that was going on. You just had to react to what the situation was unfolding at the time, and Larson did that. That's what I liked about what we saw Saturday night. You and I have driven these race cars, and there are times where you really something happened. You're like, oh, I'm not really sure what happened. And then that's like your for, instinct. Just yes. Kind of and for over. him to say he won the race and doesn't even know how he got the lead. That's how fast you have to make decisions. He wasn't thinking this thing out. It was happening right then. You saw Logano on the bottom. He bobbled, bobbled a little bit, slowed his momentum down. And then here he comes and Harvick pushing him into three. 
I mean, when they get into three, he still got him jacked up. And yeah. I'm like, they're going to wreck. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, somehow Larson was able to keep the thing on the bottom of the racetrack. And that, that was just, from, from a driver's standpoint, I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat saying, oh, there, you know, there's no way this is going to work. And yeah. it was just it was just fun to see them go at it with no concern, right? That's right. Now remember, you're still going, you know, you're going 190 mile an hour in turn yeah. three. No concern about what's going to happen. I'm going to win this race no matter what. And that's what we want to see out of our drivers. Yeah, and I thought Harvick made this push, and I think he had done, thought he had done everything perfect because now he's sending Larson off in there, and he can't keep this on the bottom no possible way because <laughs> he hasn't been in there that fast. Right. And so he was going to drive right by him. And somehow Larson managed to not lose any speed and still not give an opening. Yeah, it was going to be the 42 Paul off the nine in the corner pocket, yes. and he was going to go by them both. But So we talk about momentum racing. Well, I think momentum is an important word for Kyle Larson. Listen, I've been one of the vocal ones to say, where, where is he? Where has he been for a year and a half? I mean, this guy came into the sport. There's no question his talent. I think he does things in race cars. Everybody's like just amazed. But five wins, 195 starts, right? I think we're all waiting for the breakout. And it's kind of gone maybe the wrong way early this year. And it was a tough start to the year. I think the one car consistently out, outperformed the 42. I think what Larson said to himself, he had he did with humor on Twitter. But he was like, oh, look, I finally made it to a finish of a race. You know, so much bad luck. Couple top fives. Comes to the all-star race, gets a win. The question I have now, great, bravo. I don't want to take anything away from him, but can this be the springboard? Are we going to look back six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks from now and say it was all the – like a win at the all-star race is what was the momentum that Kyle Larson needed? You know, I, I, for me, I think Kyle has confidence. I don't think Kyle's one of those guys that wasn't winning, so he was just down on confidence and, and confidence, and then that makes it so you can't win. I don't, I don't see that with Kyle Larson. I think Kyle is a lap to lap kind of guy. A bad lap, that that lap, but it's over, moves to the next one. But winning helps. Winning oh, certainly yeah. reminds everybody that we can get this done. You, you know, you, your crew chief and your driver. Now you're a little bit closer. Your engineer is a little bit closer. I think it certainly helps. They need this to help them. They have yeah. not shown the power that you expect from him. Uh, they need this to be able to move forward. Uh, but, but you know, time will tell. But I, I, winning never hurts a thing. Well, as a crew chief, I was never successful calling a race not to lose. Scared to death to rake the wrong call. Those never seemed to work. Like Playing defense was never it. You had to be offense, drive the situation. They got so bad in the points, I'm not sure they could do that anymore. Yes. Mm -hmm. The consistency before the All-Star race gave them a little cushion. Still not there. But I think maybe they can just start freewheeling a little bit, yeah. enjoying themselves. Yeah, and as I look at this, I, I still have the question in my mind because Dover is a completely different animal. Concrete track, high bank, fast that way and, and you know this that just seems to be a place that's made for Kyle Larson but and then Kansas you race at night here again we have another race at night and we've got one more coming up at night so is this a situation that they still need a racetrack that has grip to perform at the high level that we expect for them, or have they turned a corner? I had a conversation with Chip Ganassi and Indy uh, on Friday afternoon, and we just discussed things, and, and you know, I'm not going to get into what he was saying, but he's just challenged his people that, hey, we need to be better than this. Right. We've got to move forward. We seem to come out a lot of times uh, really strong, and they did that in 2018, and then it just it never progressed from there as others got better. And, and so he's challenging those people, and I hope this is a sign that that challenge has been answered and 
and that we're going to see him because he is. I'm telling you, he's fun to watch. Oh. This race, you know, not just in that style of racing the other yes. night, but he's fun. I, oh yeah. You, when I think of Kyle Larson, and then I see the number that he's only got five wins, that blows me away because I right. think that he's won a lot more times than that, and it would be great for our sport if he does win on a more consistent basis. And you mentioned you mentioned points, and and that. When you get back in points, it is hard to play oh. offense because if you yeah. have a bad race, especially if you have a bad race early, you're going to you're going to fall. He's only fifteenth, right? Like Plus he 20. can't twenty yeah, can go away. Yeah, pretty he quick. can't afford yeah. to have a bad race, but he also can't afford not to win yeah. because fifteenth ain't good enough. Yeah, right. Because you're going to get more winners. You're going to yeah. get more yep. winners to fill it up. You're going to have yeah. to be top twelve, top eleven to get in. So uh, they're in that situation where. You know, what do we do? Do we just say, okay, we're here to win, period? Like, we know we got to win. That's what I think they need to right? do. Right? I, I, I think that's points. where they're their best. Win. win. You win championships by that's winning right. races. That's and what they need gamble, to do. Gamble with strategies. Do all, yeah. Just go all in. And I think that's when Kyle Larson is his best, when he's just all put all the chips at the table, I'm going to win or lose. And I think that's when Kyle Larson will be his best. And I almost think that that's where they are. I agree. I agree. Listen, Kyle Larson is fun to watch. He is fireworks on the racetrack. But let me tell you what. The fireworks, they were not just on the racetrack in the All-Star Race. We had a little bit of activity on pit road after the race between these two drivers. We'll discuss it after the break. There'll be a little confrontation over here with the 14, just so you know. Okay. What the f is this guy's problem? Who are we talking about? Norman! The uh, 14 shot me on the front straightaway earlier in the race. I just about turned him around. If I went into brakes, I would have turned, turned him around. Hell, I thought he was a lap down. I checked up, he ran to my left rear, and that's the last I saw of him. And then after the race, I just went up and tapped him in the back, let him know I didn't appreciate the way he raced me, and then he body slammed me. Clint Boyer went to Ryan Newman's car and was wailing on Ryan Newman. Where I come from, you get poked in the nose for that. That's what he got. Doesn't take much of a man to try to fight somebody with a helmet on. Uh, I think he should be embarrassed of himself. I don't know. I just pissed off that he hasn't driven more than a f***ing years. I'm not sure where do we start. Is it the hand speed of Clint Boyer? There's not many times that Steve Latar is <laughs> speechless. Speechless. I'm we speechless. already got one. We so, got one. So listen, we saw what happened. I'm, I'm going to just jump right into it. You guys have been into it. You've erased your whole lives. Is what we saw... A, you know, is that what you expect from the fireworks of an all-star race? Is this normal? I mean, how do we end up at a fist fight on pit road? No, I don't think this is normal, but I do think it is passion. I think it's yeah. complete passion and uh, frustration, right? They, they don't yeah. think about it, right? Neither one of them had a shot to win, legit, you know, legitimately. And I think it's frustration. I think they're mad at each other, but they're mad at other things as well. And, you know, when you are that passionate about something, sometimes, and you and I have both done it, we've done things we regret, sometimes you're going to cross the line. Yeah. And Clint clearly had lost his mind because you don't yeah. hit someone that big. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? I, I, I don't. I'm not sure that he was really thinking about who it was he was charging over to. Uh -huh. He uh -huh. knew who it was, but he wasn't thinking about who that person really was because he, he knew when he got out because he, he left his helmet a, on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think I passed him coming down here. Still had his helmet still on? Still had his helmet on. I'm not sure he's <laughs> taking it off yet. I, but I, you have to give him credit. He was there in a hurry oh, and yeah. started his action. You know, we, talk about the, we talk about supposedly fights in this sport a number of times when they actually never were. But this was... Oh, they, I'm not even sure it was a fight because I don't think Newman was fighting back. He was strapped in. But, <laughs> but look, to your point, it wasn't a glancing blow. He went over there and showed his displeasure. But go back to the race winner, Kyle Larson. I don't know how I got from the back to the front, how I won this race. And now these two, yeah. I don't know what his problem was. I thought he was a lap down. I thought yeah. he was it. My point is normally when two drivers throw down, 
it's clear on what happened. You hit me or I hit you. I really think they're not sure why they're mad at each other, right? Like they had very differing opinions on what happened on the racetrack. I think it, I think it is a clear indication of the battles throughout the field. Right, they're just right. not yes. in the front. Right, it yeah. wasn't yeah. just up front. And yes. and and on one other note, my dad told me said to me a long time ago. He said, "Never fight somebody madder than you." <laughs> right. And so <laughs> I think Clint was madder. I do think yes. Clint was madder. But but you know I. I you know, I don't like, I, you know, listen, I'm not a guy that likes fighting in That's our right. sport, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to see people throwing punches. What I do want to see is I want to see passion. I want to see, and and what makes passion is great racing. Yes. Like, you and I never got mad at each other because we were running 18th, 19th, four car lengths away from each other. Mm-hmm. We got mad at each other because we were door-to-door, bumper-to-bumper, making trying to make something happen, and that's... That's what you see, and that's what we, as fans, that's what we want to see. And, and as drivers, yeah. that's what we want. We want to be in a position as drivers to be door-to-door, to be bumper-to-bumper, making stuff happen and pushing the issue. And when you have that, you're going to have these issues from time to time. Well, I don't want to condone a fist fight, but I'll say from a guy that had to repair or, or manage the people that had to repair the cars, I'd much rather have two drivers throw fists or shove each other than wreck each other on the racetrack. Well, you because got both. You got both. You got both. They got a double whammy there. <laughs> but uh, to your point, the other thing, and you've said this many times, and I say this because I want the viewers to really watch this in the races. Kyle Larson won from the third row. So, so when you say there's this intensity, the reason I bring that up is, you know, in years past, we kind of got fixated on the top two or three. That was the magical spot. With these rules and the way these restarts happen, you see intensity for 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, because you don't know if that's the spot that will put you in the right spot to win the race. I yeah. mean, it, you know, it seems like the window of people that have a chance to win the race in the closing restarts is a bigger window Therefore, more unhappy people. Yeah, and they did a great job of trying to cover everything. But there was so much going on at so many different places. It was just incredible because as you look back, there were a number of times you saw at least three wide racing behind the leaders who were up here two wide. And we saw Larson make it three wide to get pushed to even get to the lead there. So uh, it was just unbelievable racing. Can you go do this for 600 miles? No, the drivers aren't going to do that. But we're not expecting that. But you do expect as as these rules of and, and they get to know more about all of this and what the cars are can and will do. There are certain times of the race that you will see things continue to happen like that, but it was front to back. A lot, lot of wisdom, Hall of Famer right there. So, so what is going on today, in my opinion? What we saw at Kansas and what we saw at Charlotte and what we saw at, at Texas, I thought Texas was a really good race, is the evolution of this package. Yes. Right? Yep. And the understanding of by the drivers, by the crew members, by the trace tracks, what needs to happen? Year, they all are starting to figure right, it out. Right. And so when you when you get a new car or you get a or you move into a new house or you have a new set of golf clubs, everything's new, right? Every, and but over time it becomes just common. This is what you do. Right. Yep. And that's what's happening. We're watching the evolution of this package. And as it evolves, it's gotten better and better and better. And understanding what is going to make this package work the best, a mile and a half, the success for a mile and a half is different than what is a success for a three-quarter mile racetrack. What we've learned is that on mile and a half racetracks, you want tons of grip. Yeah. You want low tire wear, not none, but low tire yes. wear, and that's creating the best races. Yes. And that's against what we've always said is best. It is. Yeah. But with this package, that's what you want. Yeah. Now at Dover, Dover would have been better if you'd had tons of tire wear. 
because they yes. had so much grip and so much speed. So the, this is evolving, but as it evolves, in my opinion, the racing on the mile and a half for sure is getting better. Well, you talk about the racing. We talked about Kyle Larson. We talked about the fight. But I'm telling you, the action started early Saturday night. When we got back, we're going to talk about other winners and losers from this weekend's activities at the All-Star Week. We had one caution, you know, really caution would have made the difference because we were in the best position tire-wise um, and, and we were in fourth place. So if we get a caution, uh, we would have been in a really good spot to be able to try to take that million dollars from them, but uh, it just wasn't right. It's kind of frustrating. I, I, I feel like I feel like we learned some uh, for the race, you know, coming back for the 600, even though this package was slightly different. Uh, I feel like we learned some for coming back. and uh, if you don't, This race is tough because if you don't win a million bucks, you leave mad. Um, I can't believe it. You know, we just—I don't even know what happened for me to get to the front. Um, so I have to watch a replay. But uh, either way, it feels amazing. I was watching my mirror a bunch uh, those last whatever 12 laps or so. Um, you know, Kyle is so good. Kevin Harvick's amazing as well. So I felt like I had two of the best drivers in our sport behind me. And to hold them off uh, feels really special. You know, this has been uh, this has been tough and. Damn, I've been feeling like a failure for a really long time, and I would I didn't give a damn out there. Uh, I love Suarez to death, but uh, he knows what's on the line, and I gave away that first stage. Um, no, Henry gave away that first stage, and uh, damn, we needed this. I needed this. It's uh, it's been tough. So you can't talk winners and losers from the All Star race without talking Bubba Wallace. I think a big winner. I would be the first to say I was critical of his move at Talladega that got him in an accident early. I thought he was pushing too hard. Well, bravo Bubba Wallace because this was an opportunity for him to highlight Richard Petty Motorsports, highlight his partners, get to the checkered flag, show that he deserved, and he did it. I mean, it was it was that was a tough race. And he mentions the first one. Well, here it is. William Byron beats him to the first flag, and he finds a way to dig deep. And I know it was controversial with Daniel Suarez, but I love the move that Daniel excuse me, that Bubba Walls puts on him. It was aggressive, but it got the job done. Yeah, it's an all-star race. I mean, that's what you're going to do. I, I disagree with Bubba. I don't think he gave away the first race. I think I think William Byron went and took it. I, yeah, I don't think point. he gave good it away. Point. And, yeah. and, and you know, what I love about Bubba Wallace right now, think about two weeks ago, how open he was, how much he yep. was struggling, you know, you know, and he said, I've been feeling like a failure for a long time. Man, it's hard. This sport's so hard. And I, I, I just don't think people understand the, the mental – strain of this sport especially when you're struggling and just for Bubba Wallace personally right as a right. just a human being to be able yeah. to pull that win out make that happen didn't have as good a tires as other people he went he went and took that race he did and I, that was awesome to see and good yeah. for him that he was able to yeah because in watching it I thought that his chance was lost there not that he did anything wrong uh, at the end of that first segment uh, because he got beat by tires and and Byron being really aggressive when he needed to be and he as you said he went and took that so I thought that was his chance but for him to dig down and come back and make it happen and do what he had to do to get himself in it that was a huge moment we might look back on this you talked about we might look back on Kyle Larson and see yeah. what this does for his race team <clears throat> well here's a young man that is tremendously talented but in a, you know, underfunded type situation in comparison to that. So where can he take this and, and make his career even better from this point forward? Yeah, great moment there with Ryan Blaney and yeah. great friends. And to your point, you know, it, it's we 
are paid to be critical. We're analysts. We're supposed to do that. But Bubba Wallace did come out and he let him like how tough it is to race. Yeah. And, and he kind of opened the door, let us all into his world. It was great to see. But it's, it wasn't just Bubba Wallace. William Byron, you mentioned that first stage. You didn't think Bubba gave it away. William Byron took it. It's been a down year for Hendrick Motorsports. A lot of talk. We could talk all day long about them. I think William Byron needed a little shot in the arm, and I think he provided that with a great move in the open. He did exactly what you would would hope he would do, right? He just yeah. drove that thing in there and hoped, <laughs> hoped it would stick. And if you really think about Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez, right here, this move, I mean, not wrecking right there, and Bubba Wallace making the same move that he did on, on Suarez and, and William able to make it work. So I, that was that was the start of a great night. I mean, like, this can't get any better than this and it just continued on well William Byron better send a fruit basket to the turf company because if that was grass I'm not <laughs> yes, sure if he yeah. makes it through there but yes. this is how close it was merely a foot William Byron with a great great move there but if William Byron was the winner you hate to say anyone was the loser but I think Daniel Suarez had to feel disappointed in how that race went he was I mean nothing wrong I call it just racing but Daniel ended up getting turned around coming to that finish yeah and and I really thought uh, in watching him last year perform uh with this style of package yeah, you know right. something even yeah. though it was different that this was playing right into his hand again he was someone that I was going to be interested in watching work their way into the all-star race and then maybe be a factor there and he did everything right here Bubba just, you know, kind of ran him out of room, and, and but that's what you're doing. I mean, you're coming to the flag that's going to determine who's going to move on into the all-star race. And I see nothing for, you know, nothing that either one did wrong, just great racing. Well, and Daniel basically had some comments about this wreck. He said a lot of the guys were talking about it. So today you go to social media for everything. Basically, you could see it. He <laughs> wanted to address the race. People had a difference of opinion of how it happened. He basically went on to say, listen, I didn't wreck myself. What I've learned is how people race me. I'm going to race them back. I think that's a polite way of saying, listen, I didn't love the move that the 43 put on me. I'm going to make sure I'm as aggressive as he says right here. I'm going to race them the same way. I can't wait to watch. Right? I mean, listen, this is racing. I want people to disagree because they should all fight for the same real estate. There's times that a guy wrecks, and I look at it and I say, well, that guy messed up, and, or he didn't. In this situation, if I'm Bubba Wallace, I do the exact same thing. Yeah. If I'm Daniel Suarez, I'm mad. You took the mm -hmm. way track away from me. You blocked me. And if I'm Bubba Wallace, I'm like, yeah, but I won. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and yeah. you know, it's just got to do that. So sometimes you got to stand up for yourself, and that's what this race is about. If this was for the Coca-Cola 600, you would expect the same thing, sure. right? Yeah. And I would expect Daniel to be upset. He blocked me, shouldn't have done it. And I would expect Bubba Wallace to say, yeah, look at my trophy. Look how cool it is. And that's just how racing is. Well, the action started early with the Open. It didn't disappoint all night. But I'm going to tell you what. The action wasn't just in Charlotte. Coming up, we're going to look back on the wild weekend in Indianapolis that saw a global superstar denied a spot in the field of 33. Back in a moment. All right, guys, this Sunday, 33 drivers chase history in the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, only on NBC, the exclusive home of IndyCar. Don't forget that immediately following, we have look at all of the stuff we're coming from Indy. We have IndyCar Live from Indy 500. We have NASCAR America there on Thursday. We have the Motorsports Special a little bit earlier in the day on Friday. And then 11 a.m. Sunday, the 103rd running of the Indianapolis 500. And to figure out and get a little recap of all the action, it's happened up in IndyCar, or excuse me, up in Indianapolis. Let's run up the lead it. It's been an enjoyable, entertaining, and pretty dramatic lead up to this Sunday's running of the 103rd 
Indianapolis 500, which you will see for the first time on NBC. So both days of qualifying are complete and Monday practice now complete. We'll get to the details in just a moment. But Townsend, with everything that's transpired, what should we look forward to this Sunday? Well, I'll go off what Alexander Rossi suggested we'll see this Sunday, which is this race is going to be epic. And he should know because the way he has been carving through traffic in practice suggests he's going to be a huge threat to win his second. PT, how about for you? Well, as we sit right now, Simon Pagano has got to be the favorite coming in. He won the Grand Prix. He put it on the pole. He was fastest today. So right now, he's the favorite. But anybody else in the top 33 can win. And for what Paul and Townsend alluded to, let's get to the details. Day one of qualifying Saturday, sunbathed track at Carpenter Racing. Spencer Piggott went out nice and early where conditions were great. He laid down a time that was not surpassed on that first day. Not so good for James Hinchcliffe, though. Once again, IMS bites James Hinchcliffe in a big way, destroys that primary car, and then they started to worry, will they miss the Indy 500 for a second race in a row? Fernando Alonso makes his court first qualifying attempt, and this is the beginning of the end because he does two good laps, and look, a cut in his tire. Transitioning to Sunday and heavy, heavy rain, and it was a four and a quarter hour delay to get the final row shootout going. Three positions for six cars and six drivers. James Hinchcliffe put that crash behind him, laid down a good four-lap average, put himself in a very strong position. He did. He had go-fast parts from his teammate Marcus Erickson, but this was Alonso's last chance. He put together good laps, but it was not good enough as Kaiser comes with the tiny team underfunded and knocks off the giant McLaren Racing. That was massive, and look at how much it meant. Kaiser was coming back from a huge crash earlier in the week in practice as well, and Alonso knew that when the 23-year-old American put that time in, his indie dream and hopes of winning the Triple Crown was over. When that was complete, we moved to the head of the field, and fast nine, Simon Pagano was the third last car to run, and he pleased his boss, the captain, Roger Penske, by laying down a phenomenal run. Well, but it was not done until Piggott ran, and you can see the excitement from Pagano, his first pole position at Indy, and he has a huge wave of momentum going this month. That was the first pole, believe it or not, for Team Penske at the 500 in some seven years. So Simon's got the momentum, as Paul mentioned. It's looking really good for the Frenchman. Hey, catch IndyCar Live from the Indy 500 every night at 6 p.m. Thanks, Lee, PT, and Townsend. It's going to be fun to hear those three up in the booth calling the 103rd running this Sunday. Joining us now, Nate Ryan. Nate, you were up in Indianapolis. Actually, DJ, you were up there as well. I heard your name on the broadcast on Saturday. So uh, get, what was it like in person up there to see the drama that I unfolded? Mean, tons of drama on Saturday. Had to wait a little bit longer for it on Sunday because of the rain. But once they finally got the track dried, I mean, the, it was just heart thumping. I mean, I, I can't think of a qualifying session like that that I've witnessed before where you had a two-time world champion in Fernando Alonso. So much riding on him making the race for McLaren and the Formula One team. Uh, fielding an Indy car for the first time, and for him to get bumped out by Kyle Kaiser, who was driving for an underfunded, un actually an unsponsored team. They lost their sponsor this week. Kyle Kaiser crashed in practice on Friday and hadn't made a lap yet on Sunday. Goes out, the final guy of six guys who are trying to make three spots in the Indy 500, and he bumps out Fernando Alonso, who we see here just learning the news and 
being whisked away on a golf cart. It was just unbelievable. So to clean up the story, Alonzo was in the race last year, but that was with a technical agreement with another IndyCar team. They weren't there on their own. McLaren this year decides we're going to go about it the way McLaren does. Their first-class organization said we're going to create an IndyCar team. We're going to come do this our own. And it's really been a ton of issues, right? They had an accident earlier in the week. I think that put them behind. But in the end, I mean, I think it adds to the allure of Indy, oh. right? I mean, there's a yeah. reason why no one is locked in. We have the year that Roger Penske doesn't have a car in it, now a two-time world champion. You were there. Yeah. What was it like to see those cars at that speed? Yeah, it took me 62 years to get there, but I finally <laughs> made it to see an Indy car run on the, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, and it's just incredible. You know, we ha I have it to compare, Jeff, and, and if you ever see this, that you'll understand. You, you think about and you hear about the speeds, and, and you, you know that's faster. But to physically go see that was just incredible. And then to be in the pit area, you could feel the tension there uh, of everything that was going on. I mean, from the, from the cars that were the fastest trying to win the pole, which is a big deal, obviously, and, and getting themselves situated, but just trying to make the race. It was just an amazing experience. But I'm telling you guys, just to see that speed difference, that these drivers that are piloting these cars around there at 240 miles per hour entering turns one and three, just unbelievable. And uh, everybody was great. I had a, a wonderful time and learned uh, a lot, even at my age, still learning uh, about things that it takes <laughs> to go fast at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I, I'm amazed at how when those cars, when they lose grip, they, I mean, they're gone. And, and when you watch them wreck, I mean, they, Hands are like this. Next thing, it's like that, and they're right. gone. I mean, it's, right. they happen so quickly. And there's no easy wrecks at Indy yeah, with those kind of speeds. Right. And uh, you talked about, you know, them just getting right back in the car after yeah. being in a wreck. Yeah. And no practice or anything. Yeah, yeah. go qualify. You know, yeah. it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. right, right. It's you, you mentioned that uh, the way they're they're moving their their the wheel there, Jeff. And that James Hinchcliffe crash. He talked afterward about how it's, he thinks it might have been a gust of wind mm -hmm. to essentially put him off course and spun him in the wall. Second straight year that he potentially could have missed this race. And then, again, for him to get back in this car less than three hours later and have to go as fast as he did when he had just hit the wall here in turn two, I mean, it was incredible. Every story of the guys who made this race, Hinchcliffe, Kaiser, I talked about him, Sage Karam was the, the third guy who made it yesterday, and he was on the verge of quitting uh, on yeah. Friday, reportedly, because yeah. his car was just not handling right at 230-something miles an hour top speed. doesn't matter. Every time I go to Indianapolis, you, you know, you, you run into these people that have so much experience there, and they talk about, like, the whispers around. That, that place has its own aura. There's something. It looks you guys know it's not, yeah. and I know it's not. The corners are not the same. No. They don't drive yeah. the same, but they talk about the wind, the shift in the wind. It's not one lap. It's a four-lap four lap. average. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... It truly is the greatest spectacle. There, I mean, two two months ago, Penske and Chip Ganassi were both trying to vie for, hey, we should have yeah. guaranteed spots because it was Alonzo this time. But they both know if you have trouble on Saturday, there's a chance anyone could have missed the race. This time it was the biggest name, perhaps. That storyline is dead, by the way. There's yeah, no there chance <laughs> they'll ever resuscitate right. the idea for, hey, we need to guarantee spots. We saw yesterday why you can't have guaranteed spots in the biggest race in the year. This yeah. is that That's just all part of the drama. Well, hopefully it'll get rolled off correctly. Our buddy Dale Jr. is driving the pace car. Good luck. I hope he doesn't mess it up. And remember, the 103rd running of Indianapolis 500 on NBC this Sunday. Coverage starts at 11 a.m. And coming up... We'll look at other storylines from this past weekend at Charlotte, including Kevin Harvick's comment, again, about his pick crew. I didn't know what exactly to expect coming here, so 
everything was very new, very new and, and a really cool experience. Um, you know, getting to wear an outfit like this, showing up, you know, with the yellow steps there and uh, our footprints, um, and having the drill instructor scream at us was, was really cool. It was really really cool. Um, you seeing the respect that everybody has here for one another um, is awesome. You know, they're a one big team. Um, you know, it's just. I guess similar to us, but uh, we're dealing with just a couple hundred people at our, at our race team, so um, just an amazing experience. So awesome to see what all the stars do with the military, and right here to the spoils go the victor. We've been partying with the pit crew in the Champagne and Victory Lane. It was a good night for Kyle Larson, no doubt. But guys, only one person could win the race, and on the other side of the corn, there was Kevin Harvick, who was disappointed in his team with the results of Saturday night. Letdown. Uh, that's how you take the fastest car and, and uh, don't win the race with it. You spot the spot them the whole field and and uh, just an incredible Bush uh, Beer Ford. Rodney and all these guys on the team just did a great job and and um, you know it was just unfortunate the way the pit road went tonight because it wasn't even close to anybody having a having a good car uh, like we had tonight. So it was just a just a great night from performance. Just a bad night on pit road. So we've 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 heard Kevin Harvick before. I have complaints about his pit crew. That time, I thought it was a little less directed. I think it was a little bit more informative. He felt that's how the race went down. Now, I don't think he's blaming. I think he's basically stating what he thinks is fact. I think the question is, is it the right approach, right? Each team, each driver has their own approach. Kevin Harvick's been very consistent. DJ, where's your opinion on a public complaint when it comes to pit stops? Well, we're all different. And I've said this before when we've talked about Kevin Harvick in these situations that we all handle things a little bit differently. Kevin has no problem uh, calling them out, whether it's over the radio, uh, during the event, saying something about it, or in this case, after things over, and, and basically saying that's why he didn't get there. He talked about it. Here's one thing. He talked about what a great car he had, and we saw him making passes. Well, why didn't he go past the leader if his car was that great? So he had the opportunity. He was on his bumper, so he had the chance to do that. But I really don't. It is a team sport. It takes everybody doing their job. Jeff, we both had the best car uh, on and days and nights, and because of things that happened, uh, whether it was that we as drivers made a mistake or the pit crew didn't quite get things uh, exactly right, those things are going to happen. Uh, when you continuously do this, you're going to have those things happening. So I really don't have a problem with this. I personally would handle it in a different fashion uh, behind closed doors. Yeah, I would handle, I'd handle it different too, but, but what he said wasn't wrong. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, you cannot, when you're watching a race as a, a fan, you're sitting there watching, you're like, comes in, loses spots, comes in, loses spots, comes in, loses spots. He should have never been as far back as he was. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I thought that he was actually pretty calm about it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I thought he wasn't, wasn't screaming. He wasn't yelling. He just, you know, hey, look, like, you know, they didn't come to play. And I mean, it's. It was fact. It was simply fact. Now, you don't know what would have happened, right? You just never know. No, no, but you yeah. don't. certainly it didn't help their situation having bad pits. And since he's gone to Stuart Haas, he could probably have another five or ten victories because of situations yeah. like this where yeah. he had bad pit stops, where he had tough strategy. But I'll also throw out there, I mean, this is the second straight week where Kevin Harvick had the dominant car. And at Kansas, he didn't win because... He pitted because he thought he had a flat, and he didn't. It was essentially just a tear-off in the front grill that affected his handling. So, to DJ's point, team sport, I mean, maybe there's blame to be shared here week after week, right? So, the one thing I'll give Kevin Harvick, though, so so as a, as a crew chief for all these years, I just expected the driver to hold the pit crew to whatever level of accountability he wanted to be held for. 
Mm-hmm. So, so if Dale Jr. was willing to come in and say, guys, I messed up. We had a better car. I underperformed. If he's willing to say that, then he's willing, then I'm okay with him going on TV and saying, guess what, guys? Y'all didn't get it done. I know we're together, but we needed better pit stops. That's what I think out of Kevin Harvick because I think he holds everyone to that level. I would have preferred it in closed doors because I think you can control it because then you see his crew chief, Rodney Childers, felt the need whether prompted or unprompted, to come out with a tweet. And and he said, look, in all fairness, our pit crew has been great all year this year, which they've probably been better. We don't know their cars haven't been that great. The last few weeks, their cars have improved, and unfortunately they've had a little bit of issues that have kept them to go to victory lane. So I think that's what I'm waiting to see, right? Is is this Kevin Harvick just stating facts, which I agree with you, Jeff, they are facts, or is this, you know, how does it progress from here? Much like Kyle Larson, is this a momentum builder? Is this a momentum killer for Kevin Harvick? I don't know. I, we wouldn't be having this conversation if Kevin hadn't complained before, right? Right. Like he wasn't. Right. It wasn't. He wasn't just furious. Just That's lost right. his mind. He was pretty calm about it. Like yeah. you know, very matter of the fact. You know, state the facts. That's what he was. He wasn't the emotional Kevin Harvick that we've seen. You know, really upset about the pit crews. So and I, I think that's because of what Ronnie said. They've had good pit stops for the most part, and you know what I mean. But but. You know, I'm with you. You, you and I are similar in how we handle things. We probably would have shut the door and had the conversation. But Kevin's been very effective by standing on top of the table and screaming and saying, "I need this." Yes, I mean, he's won a lot of races by by being the. I've I've been in those meetings, (laughs) 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 and and, you know, it's been effective for him. So, listen, is it fair to say though that if anybody on the pit crew takes this personal or they're surprised and they haven't been paying attention (laughs) the last couple years, they shouldn't have joined that team. Pick the wrong fire suit. (laughs) I do think. Listen, the one thing I'll say is there's a reason he's a winner. Whether you yep. like his approach or not, who am I to judge? He's got more race wins than me. He has more ch- – like, there's a reason he's a winner. They're all not the same. They all have different personalities. Hey, and it makes my job easy because it gives me something to talk about. But listen, <laughs> it wasn't just in victory lane. We have a lot of interesting things from the all-star race. So after the break, we're going to bring up a few shout-outs. Well, coming up just after this, don't go away because it's IndyCar Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the famed Gasoline Alley. you got to love that place. And, guys, what a week. It's a full week of racing. Memorial Day is always a great day. But don't forget, we have Dale Jumudalo, we have Motor Mouse, and then you get later in the week, it's live from Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Motorsports Hour. And then the Motorsports Special, Friday, 3.30 Eastern. We don't want to miss that. So a week full of racing, guys. The hour show has almost come to an end. Time for shout outs. I'm hoping you all have some good, interesting things. Yeah, we're gonna start uh, with our good friend Tony Stewart today. Smoke. Happy birthday today to Tony Stewart. Ooh. And uh, Big Wing Ford uh, got a birthday, and then Wednesday, uh, right here uh, on this show, we will uh, be uh, looking to see who are the next five into the Hall of Fame, and Tony Stewart will be. I mean, surely he's <laughs> will, it be will, he, will he be that's the, the big first question. unanimous? Oh. Yeah, that's the big question. I don't There's think so. The never United been still, unanimous. Still in the room. I'm still in. And so is this guy? Yeah. Yep. There's never been a unanimous. So I, there really I, can't I, be one at this point. I, I, if they, if, oh they, if they didn't do it for Jeff Gordon, I, I, yeah. I don't see how. I don't know why it wouldn't be, but uh, big week for smoke. Big week for uh, smoke. Happy birthday, buddy. Well, when you talk about all the different things, right, you think about doing the double and all the stuff. I mean, this is race car drivers shine. Tony Stewart was one of them. All right, our, our big contributor, our dot-com contributor, you got some, some I do. hot press. Let's go to uh, some social media. We had Kyle Larson, the winner of the All-Star Race, put up a tweet 
Uh, his wife ah. shotgunning a beer while on some sort of surfing apparatus. Eight plus uh, move. And of course, that. Clint Boyer and his wife shotgun beers about a month ago as a challenge to Dale Jr. Of course, Clint Boyer was impressed by Kyle Larson, but suggested now that he's won a million dollars, maybe it's time to move on to a different well, I, do I think this, Does this completely clear up that you don't want anyone in your family hanging out with Clint Boyer? Like, is that oh. a fair, safe bet now? Oh, that's just known. <laughs> that, oh, that was already oh, yeah. known. That's not the first time she shotgunned a beer, right? <laughs> no, she didn't. I would hope not in that situation. Social yeah. media. Yeah, yeah, social yeah, media. Yeah, we've seen her do it before. It's always fun <laughs> when they're personalized. Oh, my actually, so my shout-out goes to Charlotte Speedway. I know there's been a lot of talk about improvements at other racetracks for the fans. Charlotte Speedway invested in the Roval when it probably wasn't popular, put on a great race. They invested in the turf, something that you don't think about. It's the grass, but it made... For these great finishes, we've seen cars go into it. The splitter still stayed on it. So Marcus Smith and everyone at Charlotte Motor Speedway, bravo for reinvesting on the competition side. I don't think that gets talked about enough. I think they have a great facility there, and I'm ready for them to showcase it for one more weekend. And they, their willingness to go way out on a limb with putting the material down on the racetrack to make more grip and different kind of race, yeah. different kind, and how much heat they caught for that, and there was a lot of momentum trying to get them not to put it down anymore at any racetrack because they were going through the process of learning how to make it work, but now they have it working. And this this infield, I mean, this is a game changer. This They did it last year, and if this if this six car would have gone through the infield you know, three years ago, it would have torn the splitter completely right, off. Right, right. Remember Dale Jr. going through, this, going through the infield? Remember uh, Eric Jones going yeah. through the no, infield? I've seen him hit the infield Just a lot with the left front, hitting yeah. the left front splitter, just destroying the car. Those passes to win the races in the open, they don't happen with this infield in mind. I mean, think about, too, how many underfunded truck teams we have seen this happen to with their yeah, sprinters. Right. Like, same thing. I would think every yeah. NASCAR team is lobbying today. Right now, every track should have this. I agree. Yeah, the infield. I agree. So, guys, one minute left. We have what I consider the best day in motorsports coming up. Little F1, little IndyCar, little NASCAR. You'll be in Indy? I will be. How about you? Are you going to be on the, the couch? You're going to be in Indy? Where are you going to watch from? Uh, actually, my niece is getting married about oh, time to bravo. start of the Coke 600. Wow. So I'll catch the first two, and then I may have to catch up uh, on All the right. DVR. How does that have somebody in the Jerry family? <laughs> <laughs> Her dad is Jimmy Maycar, so I, if, I if he was good with it, I have to be there, too. I can't wait. I'm looking neighbor, forward to that, Alex. My neighbor and I, we have a tradition. We're going to have coffee outside watching the start of Monaco. We're going to watch all the way through. It's going to be exciting. Coffee? Coffee in the morning, early. It's early. You know me, I like my coffee. He's but, lying, people. But then yeah. I listen. Ain't coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but I head up to Indy. I'll be heading up with Nate. We got some shows from there. It's going to be great. But remember, though, this was NASCAR America, but more motorsports coverage here on NBCSN. We're going to throw it up to my buddy Lee Diffie, live from the Brickyard. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard. The perfecter of the patio and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.